experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, here at the XML Financial Group. Today, I want to spend most of our time talking about getting ready for the year end. I know, I know, seems a little too early, right? But we are in mid-October, Halloween's staring us down, Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and before you know it, we're going to be talking to ourselves saying, (laughs) we should have started our holiday shopping a little bit earlier. So. Today, I want to give you some things to start thinking about because the more time you have, the better decisions you'll probably make. But before we launch into that, let's take a quick look at the markets. Big news is is that earnings season has kicked off here. and As I said here, only about 12% of the companies in the S&P 500 have announced so far. So we're talking about a small sample of what's to come, but let's delve into what we have now. Overall, Earnings are beating expectations about about by 15% with more than eight out of 10 companies exceeding those analysts' expectations. That's pretty good. Usually it's about seven out of 10 and the beat really isn't that big. Uh, Digging a little deeper, see the growth stocks are delivering faster revenue growth and the value stocks are delivering stronger earnings per share growth. So, The growth stocks are delivering on the top line, value stocks on the bottom line. According to Credit Suisse, the value stocks earnings per share, they're expected to outpace the growth stocks by a wide margin. I mean, 28% for the value stocks versus 12 to 13% for the growth stocks. So the value stocks are really delivering when it comes to earnings. And you know where that's coming from? It's coming from the financials. They're the first big groups uh, group that reports uh, when earnings season kicks off. And the financials as a group, they've surpassed earning, earnings expectations by more than 21%, while the rest of the market, well, they're delivering an aggregate beat of just about 5%. So that's a big gap, a big, big gap. And part of the reason the bank's earnings have looked so good is because of their loan loss reserves being released. Now, what's that mean? Well, what happens is banks set aside money in reserves to cover bad loans that are going to pop up. There, There's always bad loans. Um, how many there are just depends. Well, when that money is set aside, it hurts the bank's earnings because it's an expense. So in bad times, Earnings are going down, right, because of the economy. And then on top of that, they have to set aside more money for bad loans because if the economy is bad, well, you're going to have more bad loans. On the upside, when things are looking brighter in the economy, earnings are going to go up. People aren't defaulting on the loans. So the banks look at it and they say, you know what? We don't need all this money set aside. We can start releasing some of it. So all this cash that they release goes to the bottom line and earnings go up. Earnings look spectacular. Uh, A portion of the earnings that the banks are announcing now 
well, the reason, let me say, the reason why earnings are looking as good as they are comes in part as a result of loan losses being released. I hope I said that right. And most people look at it and they think, well, those are kind of lower quality earnings. You know, loan growth isn't going up, what have you. Now, I don't want to make too much of this because it would take away from the fact that most of these banks, they're doing really, really well. And if you're looking for an inflation hedge, owning some banks might help you out. As interest rates rise, or more precisely, as the gap between the short-term interest rates and the long-term interest rates widen out, all the banks make more money. And two of my favorites that I own for myself and for clients are USB, US Bank Corp, and Goldman Sachs. Now, USB, they reported a solid quarter. They earned $1.30 versus the consensus. The analysts were expecting them to report $1.15. So that's a good beat. And I could go into more numbers, but, but I won't. Let me just say it was a very solid quarter for, for USB. And in my opinion, they're the best bank in America. They're one of my core holdings, which means if I didn't own any, well, I'd go ahead and buy some. I'd buy it at almost any price if I didn't own it. And then I'd add to it over time, of course. If you're more of a market timer, then I think I'd probably hold off because USB is probably worth what they're trading at now, about $61, $62. Now, Goldman Sachs, symbol GS, they reported earnings. And again, let me just say that they were good. Well, they were really good. They announced a 66% increase in profits on the back of a record wave of M&A activity and new IPOs. Before they announced, I was saying I thought the stock was worth about $400, but I'm going to have to go back and rethink this and revisit my numbers because I think it's worth more than that. Bottom line is, is I think that you can buy it. If it makes sense for you, you have to do your own research and see if it makes sense for you. But if it does, I think Goldman Sachs is a buy. That's symbol GS. If you're looking for something other than a bank, I think you could look at Regeneron. This is one I've talked about for a couple of years now, even before the COVID crisis. Symbol REGN. It's down about 15% over the last month. That's right, down about 15% over the last month. But analysts have been raising their projections. As a matter of fact, they've raised their earnings projections by about 25% over the last three months. So the stock goes down and the earnings estimates are going up. Does that make sense? Eh, it doesn't to me. But to be fair, Regeneron is up a fair amount since the beginning of the year, while the rest of their peers are down during that same, same time frame. It's trading around $550 a share, eight times forward earnings. And I tell you, they have a really solid balance sheet. They have over $2 billion of cash on hand. I think Regeneron is worth north of $600. Again, if I'm talking about it, assume that, assume that I own it. I eat my own cooking, as they say. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about a new industrial company I started buying. It was either the last show or the show before. can't remember, but you can go back and listen. The company is Gates, Gates, Internet, uh, Gates Industrial, symbol G-T-E-S. Once again, Gates Industrial, G-T-E-S. With this one, you're going to need to be more of a disciplined buyer. 
It's not like U.S. Bancorp. That's a core stock where plan on owning it forever. So paying a dollar or two more now isn't going to make much of a difference over the next 20 years. Now, Gates is more of a longer term trade, one I'm probably owned for a year to three years. Who knows? But not forever. So with Gates, you want to be more disciplined. GTS, uh, GTES, I'm a buyer under 16. Now, let's change gears. Let's talk about some things that I want you to start thinking about as far as the year end is concerned. And let me start with the IRAs. Those are the individual retirement accounts. Hopefully you have one. And I'm going to be talking very general here because, you know, there's a lot of ins and outs with IRAs and age requirements and income requirements. So you really, really, really have to do your own research or check with your advisor or accountant, see what may or may apply or may or may not apply to you. We're just talking broad general terms here. Okay. First, let's talk about the two kinds of IRAs. You have the traditional and you have the Roth. Now for both, you can contribute up to $6,000 this year, 7,000 if you're older than 50, if you're 50 or older, that's the total. So you can't, do $6,000 in each. Nope, 6,000 is the total. You can do three and three, six is the total. You get the idea. So for the traditional IRA, you can contribute or you do contribute after tax dollars, which, you know, money out of your pocket. And you may or may not get it to that tax deduction. Most people don't. And this is where you'd have to go to irs.gov and look it up. But put in money with money out of your pocket after tax dollars. And that money grows tax deferred until you're retired and you're ready to take it out. When it comes out, it's taxed as earned income, whatever tax bracket you're at. So for today's discussion, let's just say you can't take it out before you're 59 and a half. So this is long-term money we're talking about, the retirement funds. Once you put it in there, just think that it's got to stay in there, okay? Since it grows tax deferred, the government is going to make you take it out when you turn 72. And that's because it's grown all these years tax deferred. They've never been able to tax you. At some point, they're going to want their cut and they say, okay, now you got to start taking it out when you're 72 so we can take our cut. With the Roth, same thing. Your contributions are made with after-tax dollars and no one gets a tax deduction. As I said, most people don't get one anyhow. So it grows tax deferred. Now, here's the big difference between the traditional and the Roth. When the money comes out, it comes out tax-free. So with the traditional, it comes out as earned income. You got to claim it on your tax form. With the Roth, it's tax-free. And that's why a lot of folks just go for a Roth. But here's the rub. Not everyone can contribute to a Roth. If you're married and you make more than $208,000 combined, you can't do it. If you're single and you make more than $140,000, can't do it. Okay. Common question I get is, well, what's better for me? Should I use my 401k or maybe I should do a Roth instead? Again, what's best for you depends on a lot of variables. But here's one strategy you can think about. If your employer has a retirement plan, a lot of employers will have a matching contribution. 
they may match you dollar for dollar up to a certain amount. That's like free money, right? That's hard to pass up. You can't say no to free money. So you may hear or see some folks who like to contribute to their 401ks up to the match. That way they get all that free money, right? And then after that, they'll turn around and they'll contribute what they can to a Roth because the Roth does have other advantages along the way. We'll leave it there. If you're a parent and you have a kid who works during the summer, maybe scoops ice cream, cuts lawn, think about starting a Roth for them. Fairly new. Several firms like Fidelity have started allowing Roth for minors. If they earned $1,000 over the summer, like I said, mowing a lawn or whatever, think about putting the $1,000 in a Roth for minors to, just to get them started and let them start learning about saving, investing, and developing those good habits. IRAs, 401s, TSP, if you're a government worker, they all have beneficiaries. This is another thing I want you to check because this time of year, well, you know, it's on your checklist. Check and see who you have listed as your beneficiary. Make sure it's up to date. You know, life changes as time goes on. You're married, divorced, what have you. Check your beneficiaries. Check your contingent beneficiaries also. Because, again, things might have changed. So we've talked about putting money in. Talked about checking your beneficiaries. Now let's spend a second talking about taking money out. Spending it. Again, you have to take money out of your IRA when you're 72. It's called an RMD, and that just stands for required minimum distribution. Used to be 70 and a half, but now they changed a couple of years ago to 72. And if you're in this category, you probably already know this. But what if you don't need the money? What if you're at that age and you just don't need the, the money coming out of your IRAs? Right? Because the money that you take out is taxable, taxes earned income. Well, if you're the charitable sort, you could think about doing what's called a QCD, qualified charitable deduction. And a QCD is a direct transfer of your money from your IRA custodian paid to a qualified charity. You can't take control of it, but it goes from whoever holds your IRA, the custodian and pays it to the qualified charity. Well, these QCDs, they count against satisfying your required minimum distributions, right? So the government says, okay, you need to take $10,000 out this year. You don't want it. You don't need it. So you tell your fidelity or whoever, just send it to the university of so-and-so, right? So you've satisfied your RMD and you don't have it as your, you don't have it as taxable income. Make sense? And in addition to giving the, uh, again, that's in addition to giving to charity, it excludes the amount donated from taxable income. And it, QCDs don't require you to itemize, which means you may decide to take advantage of a hired standard deduction, but still use that QCD for charitable giving. Okay. Check and see if you make can make one in the first place because there are some rules. And when you do it, they don't send you some special tax form. So you need to keep track of it or let your accountant know what you're doing. 
Okay. Besides all this IRA stuff, I suggest let's talk about your portfolio for a second. I suggest that you start looking at your taxable accounts and see if there are any buys or sells that you should look at for tax reasons, for tax positioning. Let's say you have a stock that you bought and now you have a loss in it. If it's a company that eh, you're not so sure about it, maybe you shouldn't have bought it in the first place, you may want to think about selling it and taking the loss, which could offset any gains you might have had over the year. If it's a comp- now, if it's a company that you like and you've done a ton of research on it, you really believe in it, well, you could always double up your position and then sell the original shares 31 days later. And that's because of the wash sales rules. Obviously, the drawback here is that you may be overweighted in that stock for a while. And you could be wrong and the stock continues to go down and just lose more money in it. But again, you need to wait the 31 days to avoid the wash sale rules. You can't sell a loser and then turn around and buy it right back and take the deduction. You could also think about selling a stock and buying another one like it. For example, you could sell, on the you bought Exxon and it's at a loss. You could sell Exxon, turn around, sell that, buy something like a CVX, Chevron. Or if you own Citigroup, it's at a loss. You can sell that and buy something like a Bank of America or maybe a Goldman Sachs, like I've already talked about. It allows you to harvest the losses and keeps you in the same sector. Something along those lines. Okay, I've run out of time. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. But until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. I'm Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. It's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talk about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and are not necessarily those of the XML Financial Group. I typically own and trade the securities I'm discussing, both personally and for my clients, but not all of them. Likewise, employees of XML and our affiliate broker-dealer may be trading and providing advice regarding the securities I mentioned to their clients as well. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I suggest you get someone who's qualified in those areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, They don't guarantee better results, and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. I like to make projections and other forward-looking statements, which are just that, opinions, and are not actual results and are only valid as of the date of this recording. Things change constantly. XML Financial LLC is an independent 
registered investment advisor.